Miracy. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes her course so valuable is she didn't start with just what do I know or what can I teach or what information do I have? She started with what is a really hard and meaningful problem that I can address for my clients? Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches course creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Danny. So in each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and course creator who is doing something really interesting with their course. Our guest today is Sharon Richmond, an executive coach and consultant who works with C-level executives in early-stage and mid-sized companies. Her online course is called Becoming Candid. So Sharon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. I'm really happy to be here with you and Abe. We are thrilled to have you here. So let's start at like 30,000 feet. Tell us who you are and what you do and how you came to online courses in their current incarnation, the path to where you are now. Sure. I started my career doing management consulting with some of the larger firms and quickly realized that for that work to take root, what was really important is that organizations needed to know how to make the changes that would help their businesses grow more successfully. And over the journey of my career, I've focused more and more on working with the more senior leaders, finding that that's really the best leverage point for helping an organization move in the direction that it needs to be. So that's how I became an executive coach. And that started maybe close to about 20 years ago. Um, To zoom way forward and bring us closer to the current day, I noticed about six or seven years ago that even the most talented and most capable executives that I was working with would come to their session sometimes and they would say, oh, there's this conversation that I really need to have. I know I should have it and I'm just avoiding it. I just don't want to do it. And so I would find that through our coaching, we would work through the process of what was getting in their way, what were the barriers. We would practice the conversations, we would refine them, and they would then be able to go out and have these different kinds of conversations. You know, some of the conversations were performance-oriented. Some of the conversations were more about directions for their business, but the common factor was it was going to be somehow interpersonally awkward and would feel risky to the executive, even to the very senior and very skilled executives. So that's what brought me to this topic. And I think when about three or four clients within the course of about two weeks had a similar conversation, I started thinking, Wouldn't it be great if instead of just doing this one-on-one, I could make it available to larger groups of leaders? And so that's what led me to think about creating the course, which is called Becoming Candid and has the subtitle Fearless Feedback. Cool. So tell us about the Becoming Candid course. Who exactly is it for? And, you know, when they sign up, what is the experience like? What, What do they see, feel, learn, do? How does it work? Initially, I thought, well, this is going to be a great class. And, you know, I have a pretty big list of leaders in companies. I'm going to send them out some info, letting them know this is going to happen. And they will be really excited to sign up individually to come and learn about these hard conversations themselves. And what I learned was, um, no, these individual executives weren't going to sign up to be in a group where they didn't know who else was going to be in the group. It was very interesting and sort of disappointing. 
But learning as we do how to shape courses, what I was talking to some current clients about it, and one of them said, oh, this is exactly what we need. Can we run a pilot with an intact group of leaders internally? And so I was, of course, delighted to have an opportunity to try out the content that I was really confident in. And so the first time I actually ran the course, I ran it in person with about a dozen people at an institution that's one of my clients. And the feedback was uniformly good. And right around the time we finished the pilot and we're talking about how should we scale it in the organization, we arrived at the doorsteps of the COVID lockdown. So I'm in California and this particular client happened to be in the healthcare field. So they had previously really resisted the idea of doing the course online, thinking as a lot of organizations do that, oh, you can't really do that kind of deep skills development and learning unless it's in person. But necessity being the mother of invention, we discovered that in fact they were wrong and it adapts really well to online. So the next several offerings of this course were all entirely online, but continued to be within intact leadership groups inside client companies. So that's kind of the early part of the story. And what does the experience of the course, now that it's online, what does it actually look like? I mean, how long does it run? How are the sessions structured? What kind of content do you cover? What's the back and forth with the student? Tell us about that. The way it works is there are three synchronous sessions that run about 90 minutes each. And in each of those sessions, we have a blend of sharing some content and having some breakout groups and small discussions. People have a chance to talk about what gets in their way. There's a series of worksheets that they receive so they can work through some of the issues between our classes. And in the second class, they come with a draft script. And in that second class, I use a specific kind of peer-to-peer coaching and feedback where They learn together with others by practicing their conversation real time as if one of their peers were the recipient and the other peer is their coach. So they take a a bit of time to really run through their script, learn how it lands, what it feels like to the recipient, adjust their wording, make some notes. And then between the second and third classes, they do two things. They rewrite their script and then they have a one-on-one private coaching session with myself or with another one of the coaches that is supporting the class. And then the feedback that we've gotten, it turns out that that one-on-one coaching session is the thing that helps build their confidence so that they move into the conversation they'll be having with that increased self-awareness, increased thought about the conversation they'll be having. They're very careful about what they bring forward and in what order based on the coaching they get. And then they actually have that conversation before the last of the three class sessions. Then when they come to the third class session, we debrief the conversations and they learn from one another what did people try, how did it work, what worked well, where did things go off the rails. We do some group problem solving around where people got stuck, what might they have tried instead, or what did other people try? So I hope that gives you a little bit of a sense. People that have been through the course, they call out things like, I was really nervous about it. I didn't think it would work, but the conversation went so much better than I thought. That's a very common response. 
So I think that's what the experience is like. Are there more details I can offer? Yeah, so that was really instructive in terms of kind of what the experience is like, how the transformation is engineered. I wonder if you can share just some of the business math behind this. How large are your cohorts and what do you charge to the extent that you're comfortable sharing that information? And how does your cost structure break down? You mentioned you might be doing the coaching or there are other coaches that support the program who presumably work for you. As much as you're comfortable, could you break down some of that business math for us? Sure. The initial pilots, just to test the content, were limited to 10 people. Now what we're doing is we're offering it in groups of up to 32. And I have a couple of coach facilitators that join me. They both help with the breakout group facilitation. So we can each take a few of the rooms and everyone gets a little more attention and feedback in those breakouts. And then they, we also divide up the coaching sessions so that different people are coached by different of our coaches. The coaches are all vetted and very experienced. So I'm confident that the recipients are equally happy no matter which coach they get. That's the feedback we've been getting so far. And it's been working pretty well. We had hoped to scale it to a group of about 120 in one organization And then they had the typical big change in their executive leadership and it changed their dynamics and they cut back their expenses. But I've not ever had any pushback on the price, at least not so far. And the rates have been about $1,500 per participant. And that allows us to run the workshop, pay the other coaches quite well, and still end up with about a 40% margin. So it's good. It's working well. Right now, I'm in the process of experimenting with having some of the coach facilitators partner to sell the program. So we'll see how that works. I'll come back later and tell you what we learned. That's really interesting. How are you selling the program currently? We're selling the program to one-on-one as we do typically with B2B. So we have an email series we send out to folks that know us. And so far, we haven't tapped out our list of people that know us and, and are familiar with our work. and so reaching out by email. Hey, I'd really love to share with you this new experience that we've put together. Would really value your opinion and would like to hear what you think about it and how it compares to other things you've tried to solve this issue of candor in your organization. And I guess, Danny, one thing I left out is because this is a very focused and narrowly focused course on just a conversation, what we learned is people think of it as a first stepping stone into building a more candid culture. And so in that last session, in that third class, we spend the last portion of it specifically talking about they want to have more candid conversations in general in their organizations. How can they broaden and share what they're learning? So that turns out to be one of the really nice selling points. It sounds like that is... It's somewhat of a boutique model, right? Like you're providing a lot of the support and coaching for your participants, you know, for people who are considering maybe creating programs of a similar level of support and intensity. Do you see that as a constraint potentially? Like this can only sort of grow to a certain size or do you see a path to scaling this type of offering to much larger audiences over time? I do think there's a way for us to take this course and create short segments of on-demand lecturettes, if you will, and then try to keep the in-person sessions more focused on the interaction. Because our business strategy is to work at the most senior levels, we've mostly been focusing on senior leadership. 
because again, that's one of the best ways to create lasting change in an organization. That said, I can foresee a time when we will have a customer who will ask us, how can we do this for our whole company? And then we'll put our thinking caps on and we'll find a way to do it. And I have every confidence that we'll be able to come up with something that will work, whether it's one-on-one coaching or a small group coaching experience. I'm not sure, but I think we'll be able to come up with something for that. Time will tell. Does that make sense to you, Abe? Yeah, I think so. It's an evolution, right? You mentioned this idea of, so the course is helping with these important, but also somewhat difficult to measure outcomes, like improving people's conversations and starting to change the culture of an organization. Are your clients asking you to sort of prove those results in some way, or is it more that they trust the process to be valuable? We really haven't had any of our clients ask us to prove the results, but we do have good testimonials because after each offering of the course, we ask people, what did you learn? What are you doing differently now that you've completed the course? Can you imagine using this again in the future? And so we have good kind of open-ended question answers that we can take excerpts from. They've given us permission to use the excerpts. And so I think that's mostly how we're doing the demonstration of value. I'm trying to think the only things really clients have asked for are they want to know, can we do it without the one-on-one coaching? And so far I've said, no, I don't want to do that because I think when they're just getting started, that really is mission critical. And I think sometimes as consultants and coaches, we have a tendency to want to always say yes to everything that our clients want, but I don't want to say yes to something that I don't think will give them adequate lasting value for the price they're paying. And so I really do want them to get the best of it. One thing we decided to experiment with was to offer for any graduate of the class a free drop-in feedback dojo. The idea is that they come with, you know, after they've finished the course, they can drop in and we're doing them. We tried once a week. We're not going to continue doing once a week. I think we're going to do twice a month and give people a place they can drop in and just kind of do a quick refresher and get a little bit of input. So that's something that we just decided to try for fun, really. I just wanted to do it. And it's been really nice. It's a nice way to stay in touch with people and hear how they're using the material. Cool. Thank you. I think that's all I had. Danny, did you have any other questions? No, this was really interesting. Great. Abe, do you want to do the readout? Yes. Okay. Sharon Richmond is an executive coach and all-around leadership expert. You can read some of her powerful entrepreneur-focused articles on her LinkedIn or find more from her at leadinglarge.com. That's leadinglarge.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the very best takeaways for you to apply to your course. So Abe, what jumps out to you there? I have a lot of notes in very small handwriting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, the the overarching theme of, of Sharon's approach it highlights the importance of not being locked into a specific kind of mental model of what a course is or how to start designing and implementing a course. Because what she's come up with is you know, pretty far afield from what a lot of people might intuitively think of as a quote-unquote course, right? 
it really brings in more aspects of coaching, of behavior change, of giving you know very focused feedback to participants. It is an educational experience, but it's not a lot of content, and it's a lot of interaction and feedback that you might not see in a typical course. And you know we know these things are important, and we've talked about them on other episodes. I think there's still a there's such a a strong default conception of a course being essentially like a series of modules with content that you deliver over time. And Sharon's you know, example shows that we really need to step back and think about what is the learning experience we're creating for people and how to design that appropriately rather than being locked into a default conception of a course. Yeah, I agree. It's it's pretty clear that she didn't start with, hey, you know, how can I throw together some videos to create passive income, which usually doesn't work out very well, but really started from a place of, you know, this is the unique transformation I'm able to create for people and organizations. What opportunity is there for me to create a lot more leverage in this process so that I can touch a lot more people and influence and impact a lot more organizations? And so there's still coaching at the heart of this, but because of the structures around it, it's so leveraged that she's able to really reach a lot of people in a, in a very cost-effective way. And I really liked when she kind of called out that, you know, one of the things that her clients have asked for is, hey, can we do this without the coaching? And her answer was no, because she knows that that's the active ingredient. She's like really brought it down to the, at least from based on our current tests, the minimum viable dose, right? Where it works without taking a huge amount of her time or her coach's time. It's highly leveraged and scalable, but she's still kind of making sure that the secret sauce stays in there. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes her course so valuable is she didn't start with just what do I know or what can I teach or what information do I have? She started with what is a really hard and meaningful problem that I can address for my clients? In this case, it's that people in these organizations you know, need to deliver these uh, feedback to their teams and it can be really hard to do that effectively. And that's a hard and meaningful problem that corporations and other organizations you know, around the world struggle with and they need help with. By starting from the perspective of tackling that important problem, rather than just saying like, hey, what's some information I can package together into a course that led her to something you know, much more impactful? Yeah. And while she may very well have had in the back of her mind, I'd like to create an online course, I'd like to create some leverage, I wonder what that could be. The impetus for this wasn't I want to create an online course. I wonder what that should be about. It was really like she's having these conversations with clients again and again. She starts seeing the pattern. And that's really where a lot of very successful online courses have their first seed of an idea. It's like, oh, hey, I feel like I'm explaining the same thing again and again. There's a pattern here. Maybe I can create more leverage with it. And it was also interesting how the entire process was very audience driven, right? Very market driven. The audience, the market was like, this is a need we have. It keeps coming up. She's like, all right, so I guess I'll create a course. And she went down what it turns out to be a blind alley for a lot of B2B entrepreneurs, which is I'll create a course and you know, you can send one person from your organization or two people. And in a B2B context, that often doesn't work very well because you've got all the overhead of selling into a corporation without any of the upside of the bulk sale <laughs> that usually makes it worthwhile. So you know, but she listened to the feedback. She was like, you know, they're not comfortable doing this in a group with people from other organizations, but they'll do it for a whole group of people inside the organization. 
So you get the volume and you only have to make a deal once, so to speak. So that works really well. Yeah, it's kind of analogous to what we see in software these days where you know companies will develop a tool, a product that's very easy for one person to adopt within a bigger corporation, a classic example being Slack. And then it spreads, you know, within the organization. Ultimately, they wind up, you know, paying for thousands of licenses. Yep. You know, I still talk to people every day in a B2B and B2C context, but especially B2B, where they're like, I don't think our clients are going to want to do things online. And I don't think they necessarily appreciate how much the appetite for and expectations about what that structure will look like have changed really in a permanent way over the last year and a half to two years. So the door there has really been opened and uh, and Sharon definitely jumped on that opportunity. Yeah, there's massive opportunity there for people in all kinds of, of niches related to corporate education. So good time to be in that space. Uh, let's see, am I closing this one? I think you are. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Dan Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM network which also includes Just Between Coaches and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Biggest thanks to Sharon Richmond for taking the time to share her course with us. You can find out more about her at leadinglarge.com. That's leadinglarge.com. To make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Hello. I can't do the awkwardly chuckle. That's. Worth, I think those were a selection of options. Uh, oh, okay, got it. Not, not a sequence of prompts. <laughs> oh, got it. I was like, this is, this is some awkward dialogue. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. 
And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.